Welcome back, folks, to a new and exciting quarantine issue of Off the Crossbar. We are not in the basement of a bank, and but we are safe from the gunfire of West Baltimore. And we are not even together. Miss Morgan on the wheels of steels and the ones and twos. That camera in the sky filming us in our own abodes. Miss, what's going on? Unbelievable. First of all, I think we gotta we gotta seriously sit down and analyze the contract uh, for Morgan being the virus protection technician that she was supposed to be because oh. this things went south quick, fast, and in a hurry, right? She either needed more Lysol or she's fired. One of those two. One of those two. Because I was. I, Last week, I was bragging on her. I was doing Donald Trump-style praise. She's tremendous. She's the best ever. She's super tremendous. She's done a lot of good things, many, many, many good things. Now, I'm locked in my house. It's unbelievable. Uh, what time is bread and water at your house? Because around here, oh. it's uh, we got like 35 minutes. and I got three hots in a cot. That's all I got. No, it is three squares a day, right? <laughs> I, like the velour, I like the velour couch, by the way. It's nice. It is nice, isn't it? Really is nice, it? Yeah. I, I, this, this may be my own little prison right now, but it is not as bad as Shawshank. I don't – no, definitely not that. I mean, and you don't have Morgan Freeman either, but – I don't have Morgan Freeman. <laughs> so, Ms. – I tell you what, I'm losing my mind here. I can't work. I can't coach. My pets' heads are falling off. <laughs> oh, that's it. I've had it with this dump. We got no food. We got no jobs. Our pets' heads are falling off. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, this is something that's without question historic. I was trying to think last night. I was laying there thinking, you know, in my lifetime, I was born in 75. And um, I've seen some, a couple things that, you know, will go down in history. And 9-11 right. being one of the main ones. I mean, this will be right there with it because no question. the impact that it's having on society is just – it's catastrophic, man. It really is. You know the one good thing, though, Miz, that we have? What's that? We still have our house band, the Kelly Bell Band, throwing out the tunes. That we do, yes. We were very fortunate that way, right. Fat Blues! Yeah, no, we appreciate them playing for us, actually. Absolutely. And now, you know what it's time for, boss? What's it's that? time for me to find out what's going on in that dome of yours. Well, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a full capacity, put it this way, uh, this, this time, you know, during these times. It's, it's maxed out, brother. Had a lot of time to collect your thoughts. Had a lot of time to put it all together. So it is time, Miss Morgan, for the mystery question of the week. Speaking Sponsored of, by Ideal Health yeah. Chiropractic. Yeah, I mean, speaking of time, I mean, we've had, you know, a lot of time to, to do things that normally – you know, you wouldn't do, whether it's, you know, organize old keepsakes or, you know, in my, in, in my world, uh, I was a, a sports collector, card guy, just cards right. basically. But you know, I got to organize all those old photos, that type stuff. Um, and then you reduce to watching movies you probably wouldn't watch. Right? Oh, so yeah. My, my wife had me watching some stripper movie last night with Jennifer Lopez. It's an absolute zero for me, but it did eat up two hours of time. So it can't be all bad. And I mean, anytime you're watching Jennifer Lopez be a stripper, I mean, there's gotta that's be That's probably some not a bad proposition. It's that's yeah, not it's, that bad. Right. I was going to say it could be a lot worse, you know, so it could uh, be a lot worse. Yeah. 
but this, the movie as a whole, uh, I mean, I don't know what the, uh, the critics are saying. <laughs> I mean, if Pete Eibner were a critic, you know, I'd like to see what, what he, if it were three thumbs up or the Fokker thumbs down, you know, the, the, the <laughs> cat, Jinxie, Jinxie cat, right? Yeah. Hey, listen, if you give me a movie, I would be happy to, to, to break it down to for you, free. even if I haven't seen it. <laughs> but here's what I'm interested in. Let's do this for the mystery question of the day. Because of the times, because of the situation that the, the, that the world is in right now, but more specifically, let's narrow it down to Baltimore. Baltimore. Um, so our traffic is typically absolutely horrendous, right? Awful. So whenever you get into the morning rush and you're checking out a traffic report, it's, you know, hey, it's jam-packed at the tunnels and the alley, you know, la, 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 all that stuff. If Pete Eibner were a traffic guy, but it's right now there's no traffic, right? So yeah. Pete Eibner, our traffic guy at WHAM, you know, Baltimore Television, how do you spice that up to where it's interesting for the viewers? I want to hear a traffic report where you've got to kind of find something to, to kind of give it a little juice. You know what I mean? So you're asking me to give the question of the day is, will I give a traffic report when there's no traffic? No, no, no. What would that sound like? Oh, okay. Um, so basically, basically it's a, a demonstration, if you will. So, well, first of all, I don't see a lot of television in the morning, so I don't know what they do for traffic. That's even but I, do, I do hear it a lot on the radio. Okay. So the traffic guy on the radio is always in a helicopter, right? So, Miss Morgan, let's see if we can't get a helicopter queued up behind me, and we will go. Right now in 695, there is nothing coming your way. You have clear sailing all the way to the tunnel where, for some reason, one lane's closed and there is a 25-mile backup at, the, at 895. And if you want to go, go the other route, you can go to the 95 tunnel, the Fort McHenry, where we only have a seven-delay backup because there's only seven cars on the road and we've shut down all the toll booths. And just to piss you off, we have uh, fired everyone that could help you. Those places are, how is 895, how is 895 still backed up? How is that still backed up? There's no one on the roads. I will be honest, you you sounded pretty polished for not being a traffic guy. I mean, that sounded almost like you almost rehearsed it. It's a gift. It's a gift. So if the the soccer thing and the insurance thing doesn't work out, you've got that. (laughs) Then I'm I'm your traffic guy. But here's a question I have for you, Miz. We are in complete shutdown. There's nobody doing anything. Lock it down, baby. Lock it down, right? Can we, can we get somebody to fix the roads? I'm driving on Forge Avenue the other day, and it's as, if, it's as if like a war went on. That depends. As you know, with, with any time that there's something big that happens, um, there are certain buzzwords, right? So now the buzzwords include words like essential right? Or non-essential. So if the governor deems the traffic guys, the, the con- traffic construction guys as essential, then we might be able to get some roads fixed. I believe they are. They fall under the construction category, but. Well, they're, they're not getting the roads fixed. There's nobody on the road. It's a perfect time to work it, on the roads. Very and true. yet our roads have never been worse. And, and I just have a question. You mentioned the governor. Uh, with all respect to what he's doing, he's ahead of the curve a little bit, but he, he's, he's done a good job, but is he not turning into a minion? Does he not look <laughs> a lot like a minion? What has gone on with our governor? 
Yeah, he's uh, he's probably way stressed out, to be fair about it. And he's probably calculating from the time he gets up in the morning until the time his head hits the pillow at night. He's probably exhausted. I mean, I can't imagine uh, the workload he's got. And I know he's assembled a really good team around him, but even still, I mean, you know, look, he has to make sure that whatever decisions are made, you know, they're always going to come back to, hey, the governor made this, you know, X and Y decision. So he may be getting all this information and uh, he has to process it, evaluate it, and determine what's the best decision to make for the people of Maryland. Well, I'll tell you what, Miz, that was a good segment. We got to get going. We got to take a break. Uh, the mystery question of the day was brought to you by my main man, Dr. Adam Maddox at Ideal Health Chiropractic. We are off the crossbar. We will be back. Hey, everybody. A while back, I had a lot of problems with my lower back. It started with a muscle called my piriformis. And when that locked up, my lower back locked up. I couldn't coach. I couldn't run. Almost couldn't walk. I went to see Dr. Adam Maddox at Ideal Health Chiropractic. And within three sessions, I'm back on the soccer field. I'm able to run. I'm able to lift weights. I'm able to train. I'm able to compete. And not only is he a sponsor of the show, but he's a really, really good guy. I consider him a friend. Check him out if you have any back difficulties, any back pain, even if it's in your IT band in your leg. My man, Dr. Adam Maddox, is the best in the business. Welcome back to Off the Crossbar. I am the coach, Pete Iber. This is my co-coach, Adam the Miz Mizell, in quarantine. Never thought you'd have to say that, right? <laughs> Never thought I'd say that. <laughs> By the way, we've got a great show lined up today. We got an awesome guest. The guest is brought to us by Grip Strings. These are the best shoestrings you can have if you're a soccer player, especially if you're coaching kids, because kids' shoes come untied. I don't know how many times a game, a practice. These things never come untied, Miz. Not even when you're doing your neighborhood walk, you know, or your neighborhood jog in isolation. You can use them then, too, and they're not going to come untied. He, uh, I use them in, in my spikes when I train kids, and, and, and my cleats never come untied. They're, they're awesome. Uh, my son's using them in his, so they, I mean, they, I'm a believer. That I, I think the key is, Miss, the key is their rich Corinthian rubber that they put yeah. on the shoestring to adhere to the other side. Rich Corinthian rubber. But anyway. Good thing they didn't go with the uh, Bolivian rubber, right? But, yeah, that uh, stuff's cheap. That yeah. stuff's cheap. Lance James uses only the top of the line, top of rich line. Corinthian rubber. He's trying to set the standard. You know what I mean? He's done a great job. He has. Hey, everybody. Pete Eibner here for Grip Strings. I'm telling you, these shoestrings revolutionize soccer. If you look, they have, I don't even know what it's called. I'm going to call it fine Corinthian rubber right there, which adheres to the other string. Your shoelaces never come untied unless you want them to. So when you're watching youth soccer and you see kids running down the field and their shoelaces are coming untied and they gotta come out to get subbed, eliminates that problem. Plus, as a player, it's nice to have my shoes never loosen up while I'm in the middle of a game and then I don't have to worry about it. I'm telling you, grip strings, revolutionizing the way this is done. Welcome back, folks. Can you believe it here in Quarantine Central? Off the Crossbar has brought to you, sparing no expense, the best, the absolute best 
podcast we can provide on a limited budget. And now we have the guest of all guests, co-coach. Who is that? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) This is one of the best players I've ever played with and against. This guy, one of the top players in his era for Howard County, he also went out to California and lit it up in California, went to UNLV for a year, transferred in to UMBC, where he led them to the regular season championship in 1991. And I think he had another one in there with the big salad. You'll have to ask him. He well, he's one of my favorites get- already because he went to California. Well, I love California, so he's already one of my favorites. He's like the mayor of California. That's He's the one that told them to lock it down in California, Miz. Wow. But anyway, this guy started to get on the bus program. Phenomenal program, which he's going to talk about. He started Ellicott City Soccer Club, and he's got his own consulting company for soccer clubs. Let's give a big off the crossbar. Welcome to Timmy Ryerson. Hey, Look at there him. he is. <laughs> How y'all doing? Good morning. Matt, are you on lockdown? Ah, yes. In shelter in place, which is a little harsher than stay at home. So where are you, where are you actually at, Timmy? I'm uh, east of San Francisco right now. So it's that is 7.30 a.m., correct? Yes, it's uh, early here, but uh, you guys are worth it. I, th- I thank you so much. And let, again, There's at kudos. least five people that would agree with that, by the way. <laughs> Kudos on that fleece. Look at that, man. Does he know how to dress or what? The waffle knit. It's a, it's a, oh, it's a win-win every time, right? And by the way, Miz, you might not know this, but he is in the club. So, Ooh. Timmy, okay. I say hello to you, sir. Good morning, Tim, coach. <laughs> in the club. So, Timmy. Yes. You uh, starting off just one of the things that just blew my mind. Um, we saw each other at the convention. You were telling us a little bit about it. It was a big deal there. Tell us a little bit about the get on the bus campaign, will you? Yeah. Well, first of all, thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it, and uh, hopefully, this can take our minds off of uh, what's going on for a little a little period of time, as we all miss soccer. But get on the bus basically came about. I was. Uh, I was wondering why I wasn't having kids in Ellicott City in different pockets of Howard County. And when I did some research, I found that there were different pockets uh, close to the Title I schools that I wasn't reaching. Right. And, and when I got in there, I come to find out it wasn't just that they couldn't afford the programs, whether it was record travel, but it was the transportation piece. They couldn't get to the practices or to the clinics, even when we were doing stuff for free. So the idea came along to basically go to Title I schools, uh, feed the kids a healthy snack, teach them a life skill, give them a complete kit, because these kids had never played soccer before, right. shin guards, shoes, a ball, a bag, give them everything that they needed, and then put them on a bus and go to our rec program. And right. that was the idea of get on the bus, and it's been, since, since then, it's taken off. That was in 2018. Wow. It's amazing that I didn't even know about that. I I knew you had the campaign, but I didn't know the details of it. Yeah. So basically we started in 2018 as a pilot program in Howard County with about 40 kids. And then we went to two schools in Howard County, Uh, Maryland, MSYSA recognized it as a grassroots program. And then U.S. Soccer actually contacted me and said, hey, we have this money in the form of a grant and that program will be great for it. 
So from that pilot program, we're actually now in Las Vegas. Uh, we were supposed to kick off this fall in California, uh, Reno, Nevada, uh, Portland, Oregon, uh, Connecticut, Helena, Montana. Um, so it's just blown up since that uh, pilot program in 2018. So it's keep me busy. That's awesome. Wow, it's amazing. And so it's, Tim, a completely, it's a completely free program, by the way. I didn't mention that. It's free to the kids. That's great. It's outstanding. So I wanted to ask you, because this is the, like the, the, for me, this is one of the most interesting things about what you did with Ellicott FC. So one of my friend's sons played in your club. This was years back, kind of when it first started. And we were at a tournament somewhere and, and they said, Hey, you know, come and watch little Joey or whatever. And, and I said, okay, great. You know, he's on field two at three o'clock and he plays for Ellicott City FC. And I'm like, Ellicott City, okay, whatever. Well, between that time and literally it must have been two, three, maybe four years, it just morphed into this legit club that, like, you're developing players, you have competitive teams, you have, uh, do you have both genders, I would assume you do. Yeah. I mean, how did you do it? Well, it's funny, you know. Uh, Basically, I was in California for a long time, right after UMBC, moved back to the area. And, uh, you know, basically, we went, we went to Baltimore for vacation. So my wife and I went to Baltimore with our son, and we went to the ocean. We went to Canton. We had a great time, stayed, you know, stayed down by the harbor. And then uh, we just basically decided to stay. My wife said, hey, I can live in Maryland. I love it here. And so we went from vacation to being residents of Maryland during a vacation stay. And so then I decided to start the club, the Ellicott City Soccer Club. So um, that's how it all started. Wow. That's so cool. And, and look, I, working with you and playing against your teams, and I, I gotta say, one of the things that I, I am most impressed with is your ability to build just a fantastic staff um, you know, starting with your brother, Rob, who phenomenal coach and trainer, uh, Carmen, uh, just the crew you've assembled. Outstanding. How did you go about doing that? Yeah. So basically we had like a social and I, I basically called the network between my network and my brother Rob's network. Cause he had been involved in soccer in the area for a long time. And we just, we just had a social, you know, and we basically told people, uh, I told people what I was going to do at the time. My brother Rob was at Potomac. Uh, right. so, so he was fine. He's like, dude, good luck. You know, good luck with that. Have fun. <laughs> Let me know how it goes. We had zero kids basically. Uh, you know, I funded the social and I funded everything else with the club. So basically to start the club and I just called, you know, friends and, and people that we've known in Howard County for some time, like Wade Whitney out of Hammond high school, went to NC state, played with tab Ramos, um, you know, us youth national team player. He was, he was on board, Derek Phillips, you know, yeah. uh, Trinidad and Tobago, uh, you know, a player and, but also grew up growing up in Maryland and obviously his dad and everything, big family. Um, so Sean Ray played with him at Oakland Mills. Uh, he played at Maryland. Um, you know, so we just had a ton of people that were like, we really appreciate that you're opening up a new club in Howard County, just as another option, really. And right. they, they really bought into the philosophies of the club. And it was all about, you know, hey, we're soccer people starting, uh, starting a soccer club. And, and 
we had 25 teams right out of the gate and we had 25 very high level coaches right out of the gate as well. Now, as far as like the, the current landscape, um, there was a call last week between some, some club guys and some admin guys and, and local guys within the community. Um, I, I was not able to get on that call. I was tied up with something, but I, I think you were on the call, correct? Yes, I was. Okay. And like, can you just give us the cliff notes version of what, what it's about? Just so the viewers kind of get an idea. One second, Ms. One second, Timmy. He was not on the call. Timmy was the call. He was the host. He was the big kahuna. He was the big cheese. Hey. He was the straw that was stirring the drink. We were going right to the horse's mouth then, right? Right. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I think it was just, you know, in these circumstances, it was, there was kind of a call to action put out there. Uh, and, um, you know, the, there were a few points that, that Liber from elite tournaments basically put out there on Facebook. And for me, um, these are all club centric kind of ideas that need to be dealt with. And I wanted to tackle just one. What are we going to do for tryouts for this, for this? Right. And so that was kind of why I jumped in. I mean, Ellicott city has made a stance that we were not going to have tryouts. Uh, we'll do some type of supplemental when we get there, but basically it was about tryouts for this year and how to make it, um, easy for the parents and sure. equitable for the clubs and how do we work together? So that was the first thing, but then what can that do moving into the future in terms of maybe there's a tryout period. And so the other thing that came out of that call was recruiting because, you know, there's this uh, kind of elephant in the room about recruiting, quite frankly, where teams are, are losing players to different clubs and things like that. And so that, that was a byproduct of this meeting. So Today I have a call with uh, some key clubs in Maryland and uh, we're going to form a committee and then we're going to uh, basically come back to the clubs and say, hey, look, here are some guidelines that we suggest for Northern Maryland uh, or Maryland clubs and can we all get behind that? So we'll see what happens from it. Yeah, perfect. That's great. And, and look, thank you for doing that because number one, um, the, the tryout situation is going to be difficult this year, no matter what. Number two, the amount of recruiting, both players and coaches from some clubs, it's appalling. The, the level, I had someone say, it's a race to the bottom, and speaking of one club, and they are way ahead of everybody else. I don't think it should be a race to the bottom. I think there should be a standard. There should be guidelines, and everybody should do things the way they should be done. Uh, it's better for the kids. It's better for the clubs. It's better for the parents. Yeah. And I, I look at, um, you know, the, the league that we joined a few years back when everybody said, well, what league are you going to play in with this new Ellicott city club? Cause at the time it was all NCSL and WAGs and you had to qualify right. kind of uh, pro reg uh, kind of deal. But the CCL has done an amazing job of bringing big time clubs together with big time people at the helm, bringing in their technical directors and them all working together. They compete on the field like nobody's business. But mm -hmm. in terms of like what's best for the kids and what's best for the league, the CCL is, is far and away um, uh, the best, I would say, organization in terms of working together, bringing people together. There's no reason why we can't do this in the Baltimore Maryland area. I mean, we're all, it's a small world. It's a small network. We all know each other and um, we could all work together. I hope that would be my hope. Yeah, for um, sure. Some, some people don't want to work 
with people. I don't, I don't understand it. And I know it's worse up in your area uh, than it is for me in Howard County. But still, I mean, we, we should be able to work together on these things. That's all I no got to say about that. In terms of like when you said you were going to, you know, like in that call when they were talking about maybe outlining policy or coming up with new creative ways to maybe say, hey, look, everybody kind of agree on certain ways to do things. And if it, my question to, to coach last week was, okay, if you develop that, there has to be an enforcement behind it. Because if not, then you're just kind of peeing in the fan, if you will. So we're, did anybody kind of grab MSYSA or any governing body and say, hey, look, if we do these things, X, Y, and Z, we need help enforcing them? Yeah, so I invited some clubs that didn't make the call. And then I also invited the MSYSA, uh, you know, basically leadership. And they were on the call. Yeah. So, so they heard that there is a need. And so they're doing a call this Thursday to address COVID-19 and maybe some other things as well. Obviously, the, the breaking news today is there will be no uh, state, uh, regional, and national um, cups. So that, yeah. just came, that just came out. So, um, so MSYSA, I think, is open to it. But in terms of enforcing it, I think they can only endorse it. So in other words, we have, we have a lot of people that are in agreement with this kind of stuff that we can work together and come up with ideas. But... but as of now, MSYSA is taking the stance that, hey, we'll endorse what the members think we should do, uh, but that enforcement piece is a whole nother thing. And that's where we need to get buy-in from MSYSA as well. How, how can sure. we, if we don't, if they can't enforce it, how can we self-enforce it? Maybe it's, maybe it's the clubs just work together on some kind of enforcement policy or policy to enforce these things. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. But now I noticed you, uh, and forgive me, because I, I have known you for some time, and, and I've watched you through your life. And one thing that I will say is that you have a natural uh, uh, pull, if you will, to get in front of things and be in a leadership position. Talk a little bit about that, Tim. Well, I mean, you know, it's funny. I, I take it back to our time at UMBC. You know, um, when I transferred from UNLV to UMBC, to Pete Karinji was starting a program. Basically, he, he uh, was hired. He had just come off, you know, uh, with the Bays. And, um, you know, Karinji was there at UMBC. And I wanted to play. And so it was a very humbling experience to go to UMBC from UNLV at the time. Uh, right. and, and it basically, what, what I think it's important to point out is that Karinji taught me work ethic like that's my whole thing about this off the field development is very few kids are going to play at the professional level or even in college mm -hmm. like we played so what are we really doing with these kids when we have them in our care so for me Karinji's like the player's coach right like for sure I haven't heard anybody on your show or otherwise ever talk bad about him and for me he was uh so instrumental in my life in terms of teaching me work ethic and to be on time and, and what it takes to be a good teammate. And, um, you know, for me, you know, I, I, I always go back to Karinji and, and what he taught me. And um, I can't say enough about the guy. I mean, he, you know, we are so influential as coaches and administrators in these kids' lives. For some of them, they may have one parent at home or, or not have a parent at home or whatever the case may be. But uh, they're looking up to us and it can be good or it can be bad. And right. so 
Cringy was an incredible experience for me. I, I just can't say enough about him. It's funny you just talked to, you just laid out like five things quick off the laundry list about Coach Cringy and the values that he passed on to you. None of them include anything about soccer. <laughs> exactly. That's the thing I try to tell people all it's the time. I, re right? I remember the bus rides, like the music, the card playing in the back of the bus, you know. Um, I remember driving vans. Like we, right. drove, we drove the van, right? We drove, so, miss, Division One soccer program at the time, players are driving the vans. That's unbelievable. My last game as a senior, when we got knocked out of that tournament, uh, uh, you know, the conference tournament, I drove home. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, you know, but, but it was such a great experience. I would, I would never change it for the world. I would, I would do it 100 times again. But I want to make a point, not to, not to deflect from Timmy and what he's talking about, but that was the program at UMBC. It was very, like, basic until Pete got there and, and he made some changes and he infused this whole, I guess, culture. And now you look at it today and, and yeah, there's some, some money kicked into it. And there's, there's a lot of, you know, sponsorships with Under Armour and, and it, it, it's great, but it doesn't ever get to that point without the steps they took. And that's, that's the part that I think is amazing. And, and we haven't even talked about the winning. So yeah, no, and, cool. and exactly. And, 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 you know, to your point, you know, that's where we met. And um, obviously there was some leadership there. You guys set a tone, uh, you know, early on when we, when, when, you know, when, when Pete was there and I know you had played for him previously, um, you know, so you kind of knew how he operated and things like that, but um, man, competitive practices, you know, uh, probably more competitive sometimes in some of the games, uh, you wanted to, to work hard for him. I mean, yeah, I, I can't say enough about him as a person. Now, the soccer stuff, the byproduct of winning and things like that, we had, a great, we had great seasons. Yeah. Um, in my senior year, we were 15-3-1. We didn't get a bid because back then, you know, it was hard to get, to get right. into the tournament right. without, without winning your conference. But, um, but, yeah, all the winning and all that aside, that's what I try to tell parents. And um, so that's, that's what's important to me. The whole soccer piece is, uh, is a small piece of the big picture. Agreed. Yeah, that... You break up? Oh, okay. Yeah, so, yeah, no, I was just going to say, like, I never played for him, but from what you guys are speaking about, the evidence is pretty overwhelming because look at the guys even that we've had on this show, right? All top quality class guys. You know, you, you get that from having mentors such as Coach Karinji. Oh, if they did, if they did like the, you know, the tree thing, like the coaching tree, coaching tree, and he coached this guy and this guy. I mean, it, I, you don't have you enough paper. He, he's yeah. the Kevin Bacon of uh, coaching. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> the Kevin Bacon of coaching. By the way, Miss Morgan, throw that up there. <laughs> that would be it. Put, put Kevin Bacon's hair on Coach Karinji. Can we get that done? I'm sure. You know, I'm sure she'll take care mm -hmm. of that, yeah. So um, uh, you uh, wanted to bring something up, and, and you're a pretty humble guy, Timmy, and, and I, uh, but I wanted to, to bring this up. Um, Maryland Association of Coaches of Soccer, they came, gave you the um, – award this year for the outstanding contribution in soccer in Maryland for your get on the bus campaign. And I, I wanted to congratulate you on that. Um, Thank you. 
and, and at the end of this, we're going to show a little clip about the get on the bus campaign, but I, I, I wanted to just, it, it's not even a question. It's a statement that award for me shows you who you are. It, it, it really, you've given so much to the soccer community and it's gone under the radar and a lot of people probably don't see it or know it. So that's why your recognition in that, um, I think it's pretty important. Tell us a little bit about your your goals, your next step, the next things you're doing uh, with in, the, in regards to Ryerson Consulting or soccer or or whatever. No, I appreciate the the you know that obviously. I didn't know when I went there what the award was for. They just said, "Hey, we're going to recognize you. Please show up." You know, say so I had no idea. Uh, so they were pretty sneaky about that. But, um, you know, our goal with Get on the Bus is to graduate 10,000 kids by the World Cup 2026. So that's the goal. So we've already funded or have been working with 1,000 kids. So we're one-tenth our, of our way there. 10,000 kids, everything free for them. So that's the goal. Wow. I, have a great, I have a great team. And Danny Barber, who I played with at UNLV, who's an All-American. Awesome guy play with the blast Daniel for, for, I think, uh, for a minute. And, uh, basically, um, uh, Danny and Amanda Buckler, who's a city parent was a volunteer. Um, those folks, both those two gave money first to get on the bus and then they got involved as volunteers. And now it's a national phenomenon. So forget on the bus. We're, we're going to reach 10,000 kids. And I'm hoping we can do that in Mexico and Canada as well, because we're, we're all sharing the uh, hosting in 2026. In terms of like, uh, you know, I've been doing some work out in California, hence the reason I'm here. My wife is from California. Um, I, I do consulting out here. So my network in California from the time I left UMBC with the sports management degree to the time I started Ellicott City in 2013, I spent my time in California. So I've actually spent half my life there and half my life uh, in, in, in Maryland. So um, at the end of the day, you know, I just want to help clubs. Uh, that's what my passion is. I've been involved in soccer since I was four when I got dropped off at my brother Kenny's practice. So, you know, I'm the youngest of five. My sister went to Loyola, played basketball and volleyball at Loyola. And uh, my, my three brothers, my three older brothers all played division one soccer. And obviously the older two played farther than that. So, um, soccer's been a big part of my life, but the impact that soccer has made on my life is why I do what I do. Awesome. It's unbelievable. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking time out today to talk to us, especially being as early as it is out there, right? Yeah, no, you guys stay safe and stay healthy. I appreciate the time. I love the show. Um, and I'm honored to be on. Yeah. Well, right, th thank Timmy. you so much. I, I, I wish your, you and your family, number one, safety and, and good health. And uh, let's get you back to Baltimore. We'll have a Christos reunion. And uh, we, can, we can celebrate me being the shortest back on our 1991 UMBC team. <laughs> yeah, I knew you were going to put that in there somehow with Darius <laughs> and stuff. But, hey, shout out to Terry Locklear, who took care of me. I don't know if you can hear me. Terry Locklear, he took care of me when I arrived there. He showed me Baltimore. So I was in good hands. But um, <laughs> Terry I'll leave that right is, there. is the director of social activities in Baltimore. He's a, I think he's actually days. a tour guide, isn't he? He's a tour guide, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For sure. All right. So thanks so much, hey, guys. Stay safe. Thanks, Timmy. Thanks. Awesome stuff. Be safe. We are off the crossbar.
and we will be back. Welcome back to Off the Crossbar. Quarantined edition. It's time for my favorite show, part of the show, Miz. I, my do you, favorite. Do you know what I'm talking about? I got an idea, yeah. I'm talking about the Patrick Swayze Player of the Week, which has been really hard this week because guess what no one's doing? Yeah, well, here's the thing. You got you to gotta understand this, though. And here's a plus for the Patrick Swayze Player of the Week. It gives it more, more like, value. Um, Road, aside from ridiculousness on MTV, I think Roadhouse is probably the second most played, you know, show, movie, whatever you want to call it. That is, it's on all the time. Yeah, it's like a twenty-four hour nonstop marathon. So at any point in time, if you need a Swayze fix, you can jump on and watch him run double deuces and and yeah, get your fix. You know, polar bear fell on me. <laughs> anyway, that was tiny, um, right? Wasn't his name tiny? Yeah, his name was tiny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, so yeah, here we go with the Patrick Swayze Player of the Week. There's not a whole lot of playing going on, but uh, I think we have a we have a legit contender and a legit winner. Who do we have, Miz? Pickens are slim only because there's no soccer being played, obviously. But uh, given the situation and you know our quick analysis of, and we're not scientists, we're not experts, we're not lawyers, but just. We're just standard everyday Marylanders, right? Every but, uh, day. Yeah, every day. Garden variety, if you will. So um, we've kind of agreed that, you know, Governor Hogan's done a pretty good job and, and deserves maybe, you know, maybe to be placed into that, that spot of Patrick Swayze Player of the Week. So what you're saying to me, Miz, is Governor Hogan is the first non-soccer player to win this prestigious soccer award I, if my member serves me correctly, yes. And I would also go as far as to say, we can look at it in terms of, you know, what was the guy, the bad guy from Roadhouse? His name was Brad Wesley, right? Brad Wesley, right. yeah. So he is the coronavirus, right? Brad Wesley is the coronavirus. Right, and Governor Hogan is Dalton. Right. So, you know what I mean? So he's, he's actually the Patrick Swayze player of the week, but he could really serve as Patrick Swayze in the movie as well. Um, you know, and, and that would be pretty cool. Now, now Patrick Swayze being governor Ogan, he has to rid the double deuces of all the guys and all the craziness before he can actually get to Brad Wesley. Right. That's, that's a fact. He meets them. There's the standard compulsory glass table that's in every 80s movie. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, it's great. And, and I will say this, the frontline workers, Sam Elliott. Uh, or unbelievable. Not. Unbelievable. They're doing a fantastic job. So, anyway, Miz, here we go. Governor Hogan, this one's for you. You have earned this mullet. It's beautiful. That is a good look. That is a good look. So anyway, Miz, listen, I hope you and your family are safe. You too, I totally man. dig your Primus uh, poster in the uh, back yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't have anything as cool. I got an Evan Ibner graduation picture. And then, so, I mean, there's, it's hard to compete with that, to be fair. Hard to compete with that. But anyway, listen, man, look forward to seeing you. Can't wait to get on the field kicking the ball. Peeps, you be too, safe buddy. out there, right? Everyone be safe. Thank you so much, and uh, we'll, we'll try to get another show in soon. I don't know when, but we'll see what happens. You know why? Because we are off the crossbar.
and we will be back.